Hi, friends, and thanks for joining us online as well as at all of our different sites. And if you're a guest, a special welcome to you. Just pray that you experience a, like you belong. And this is a place of great love and a great place to be today. I'm launching a new series today called Up. And it comes from a series that we're doing in the Psalms. And the Psalms really are the songs of the people of God. And we love songs and music. I mean, what is your favorite song? If you're taking a road trip this summer and you're putting a playlist together of your favorite songs, what song absolutely has to be on your playlist? Think about it, because I'm going to have you share it with your neighbor in a moment. I've had a whole week to think about mine. I've got options. I've got a great playlist going, but what is your favorite song? Go ahead and share with your neighbor for a moment what your favorite song is, and if you're jo joining us online, you can just drop that into the chat. You can uh, experience that. Take a moment. Share with each other. I don't want to cut anybody off, but I think I better. Take it to lunch. You can pick up the conversation there. Uh, I've got my playlist, and uh, here's, here's the artist behind my playlist. <laughs> yep, Neil Diamond. Yep, yep. Hot August Night would be on my playlist. Um, you know, Neil Diamond, it was the first concert I ever went to. Uh, I, I've owned most of his albums. I have learned almost all of the lyrics to all of his songs. Don't judge me. And it's just a great, great playlist kind of deal. Well, we're going to take, figuratively, a trip to Jerusalem together this summer. And on that trip, we've got a playlist of 15 of the favorite songs of God's people. They're called the Psalms of Ascent from Psalm 120 through 134. What I want to do today is two things. I have to set up the context for the series in the summer. So I want to talk about why the Psalms and specifically why these 15 and then I want to talk about the first song in our playlist, Psalm 120. Ready to go? Why the Psalms? Let's start with that question because it's such an important question. The Psalms um, are there because, I'm not sure why it's not there, but it's all right. Why the Psalms? Let me give you three reasons why the Psalms. Number one, I want to reclaim um, the practice of reading, praying, and singing the Psalms to reclaim and we want to reclaim this practice because it's needed. It has been the practice of God's people from the beginning. And uh, it continues to be. Billy Graham, I, I heard him say this and was humored by it a little bit, read, read five psalms a day in order to help him know how to get along with God and one proverb a day to help him to know how to get along with people. <laughs> it's a, a good practice. And I will give you a confession here. I lost the rhythm, and I confess to you, I lost the practice of reading, praying through the Psalms daily. And I have a pastor. I have this bookshelf full of devotional guides and prayer guides, and they're really good. We've got 2,000 years of church history. I tend to go to them first. And I had this conviction a year ago to say, get into the practice, Joel, again, of reading and praying and singing the Psalms. Since last June, I have been in the Psalms every day. Can I tell you? I needed it, and I've loved it. I'm inviting you to reclaim the practice, and if you've never had the practice, start the practice. And then we're going to invite you to repent. It's a weighty word, but it simply means to turn around or to, to make an about face and go in a new direction, and specifically to repent from being a tourist Christian, if that be you. 
By that I mean uh, the kind of Christian who is one who pursues God casually, uh, leisurely, according to what is convenient to you. Maybe taking in the attractions on the journey of life when it seems right and good at Christmas, Easter, special occasions, or simply when it's convenient for your schedule, then you'll make time. Or when you have a particular need or you're broken and you need a lift, you'll, you'll find a way to pursue God. I want to encourage you to repent from being a tourist Christian, become a pilgrim Christian. To pursue God in a daily way, to let him be your um, teacher, that you are an apprentice and a learner um, so that his way becomes your way, so that your life and your lifestyle aligns with the will and the way of God. And that requires becoming a pilgrim Christian. Or as um, Eugene Peterson so eloquently said, it's long obedience in the same direction. It's not about your comfort and your convenience. You're just committed for the long haul of saying, I want God at the center of my life. And it's such an important expression of our journey. And then the third thing I want to invite you to concerning why we're doing the Psalms this summer is simply to receive all that God has for you. It's part of our mission statement at Westwood with open hands, receiving from God all that he wants to give, believing he wants to give us a lot, and with open hands, giving it away, believing we cannot outgive God. We need, at times, cheering up when our spirits fall. We need, at times, direction in terms of the path where to go, and the Psalms give us those pictures. In fact, the Psalms are really rugged and they're raw. And I say that out loud because many of us think of the Psalms as being so beautiful and so poetic because when it was translated into English for the first time in what we call the King James Version, that's how they represented the Hebrew language. But in fact, in the Hebrew language, it's rugged and raw. It's real to your life, the highs and the lows of your life. Everything that you live is demonstrated in the Psalms. I would encourage you to complement your reading of the Psalms with um, the translation of the, the Bible called The Message, it was translated into that paraphrased version by Eugene Peterson, and it brings that, um, I think, eloquent but really rugged rawness to the reality of your life. So my invitation this summer is have a lot of fun this summer, enjoy it, but reclaim the practice of praying and reading and singing the Psalms. Repent. If you have been a tourist Christian, it just falls short all the time. Become a pilgrim Christian, and then Find yourself open to receive all that God has for you. Now, why specifically the Psalms of Ascent, this group of Psalms, 15 of them that we'll walk through the entire summer, <clears throat> called the Psalms of Ascent? The Psalms of Ascent, Ascent means to go up, and it also means steps, so it means to go up. And it gives us this picture because topographically, Jerusalem is about 2,300 feet uh, square feet above um, sea level. And so you find that no matter which way you would approach the city of Jerusalem, the people of God would have to go up. And it would be their practice, their custom, and their tradition to make their way up towards Jerusalem, um, particularly during the three festival seasons. So you find in the springtime, they would go up to Jerusalem in order to celebrate the Feast of Passover, in order to remember and never forget the saving ways of God. Can I just ask you, are you glad that God saves you through faith in Jesus Christ? You never want to forget that. So they would go with this affirmation to, to, to remember God's saving ways. And then in the summertime, they would go to, up to Jerusalem in order to celebrate the Feast of the Pentecost. And it is that time where they would renew their commitment to be his covenant people. 
understanding that they were called out to be blessed, to receive that blessing, and to be a blessing to others. That's what covenant means. That's the very purpose statement of Westwood as well, that we are blessed to be a blessing. And then the third season and festival they would celebrate would be that of the fall, the, the, the feast of the tabernacle, where they would make their way up to Jerusalem in order to give thanks to God for his provision for their every need. Such a beautiful picture of being remembering, or being a people who remember what God has done for us. And we, like them, are a redeemed people. And we are a blessed people. And we are a thankful people. Throughout the summer, this song is going to remind us of these beautiful promises of God. And that's what we're going to step into. By the way, Jesus had a song list as well. He had his own playlist. And these 15 songs that we're going to go through were the very songs that Jesus himself sung. So if you ever wondered what Jesus sang, we're going to sing what he sang. We may not know the tune, perhaps, but we know the lyrics of the song. And Luke reminds us of this. Every year, Jesus' parents went up to Jerusalem for the festival of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. I just read this and I go, if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for you. Yes, 15 weeks in the Psalms. Let's step into it together. We're going to look at the first song in our, songs, our playlist, and it's Psalm 120. And it was the practice of the people of God to actually stand for the reading of the psalm. So I'm going to invite you to stand. And as you do, I also want to let you know that this particular psalm is, uh, is not a very pretty song, quite honestly. It's kind of surprising that we start with Psalm 120 at first glance. And it's a bit strange and difficult to read. You may not even like it at the beginning. But as we step into it, you're going to learn the lyric of the song, and you're going to like it. So would you join me as the people of God has done for all of history, and let us read together. I call on the Lord in my distress, and he answers me. Save me, Lord, from lying lips and from deceitful tongues. What will he do to you, and what more besides you deceitful tongue? He will punish you with a warrior's sharp arrows, with burning coals of the broom bush. Woe to me that I dwell in Meshech, that I live among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I lived among those who hate peace, but I am for peace. But when I speak, they are for war. Okay, have a seat. Let's jump into it. A little surprising, isn't it? That the first song in this amazing song list, a playlist that we have together, and it starts with trouble and distress. I mean, generally, when you're making your way in that first part of your trip, you, you think you'd put in a happy song along the way, something like Justin Bieber or Earth, Wind, and Fire, September, something with some rhythm and move. We're going to Jerusalem, but that's not the case, and there's a reason for it. And why is it that we're opening up the first song of the playlist with this one? I think you know. Because it's in your time of trouble that you're most inclined to make your way to God. That most often, people will turn the direction of their lives toward the presence of God when you're tired of living in this world because it doesn't offer you what you thought it would offer. Or you're tired of living your life the way you've been living your life because it's not working. There has to be something more. And you're hoping and you're praying that God is gonna give the something more. And that's exactly why this psalm, this series of psalms, open with this particular one. So let's step in. Let's, let's learn the first lyrics of this psalm in Psalm 120. And the first line is simply to call 
But I call on the Lord in my distress, and he answers me. And there's an emphasis here that you find. I call on the Lord in my distress, and he answers me. I call on the Lord in the Hebrew idiom means emphasis. So this little phrase here, on the Lord, in the Hebrew, doesn't come through in the English, is a pronounced emphasis to the beginning of all the Psalms, that this is going to fuel the rest of the Psalms that we're going to look at today, or in the weeks ahead. I call on the Lord, and he will answer me in my times of distress, is the picture that you have. And so if you want to get unstuck, God will unstuck you. But prayer will need to be the center of that journey to be able to move forward. And you'll have to do more than pray. There's no doubt about it. But don't do anything until you pray, because only then will you be pulled up from the quicksand of your life. Only then will you see that he is walking in front of you to guide your steps, and he is walking beside you to encourage you along the journey. He's walking behind you to lift you up when you fall and you fail and you fall short of what's taking place. He just pulls himself um, and comes alongside of you to tell you, I'm with you, keep going. So let me ask the question, what do you do when you're in times of trouble? What do you do when you're just completely stressed? Do you find yourself um, in a place of great worry? Do you complain? Do you blame? Do you go to your mom or your best friend? Or do you go to the Dairy Queen and get a Butterfinger blizzard? <laughs> I've done that more than once or twice. And uh, I've had times when I've just, sometimes it's felt so overwhelmed and so stressed out, I, go, I just got to go to Dairy Queen. Has anybody else ever, ever had a day where you've gone to Dairy Queen, not because you like ice cream, but for comfort? Raise your hand so I'm not alone, please. I need some encouragement. It's almost all of you. Thank you for that. By the way, that comfort lasts for about 10 minutes, and then it's over with. <laughs> the stress is still there. But here's the picture that you have in the Psalm 120. It's the starting point, the emphasis. When you're in trouble and you're distressed, pray, pray, pray. And it's such a good picture. The reason is so simple, and it's actually quite so remarkable, because God hears you when you pray. What a promise that you have in this given text. Um, he, he actually hears you. I find this. He says, I call on the Lord in my distress because he answers me. There's the emphasis, the very first line that will lead us to all the other psalms, that God hears me. It's so astonishing that the God who created all of the universe that we get to live in and the one who breathed life into us, he hears us. He pays attention to you. He listens to your every word. What a promise. We ought to be taken back by the beauty of this God who promises that he hears us. What a great start to the Psalms. And what a great start to your day as well to remember that God hears you. Many of you, if you've been here, I have this morning prayer. It's the same morning prayer. I've been praying it for many, many years. And most mornings, I'll offer up this prayer. And before I turn on the lights and do anything else in the day, just roll out of bed, onto the floor, onto my knees, and I'll say, oh, Lord, Thank you for life. I start with gratitude. Great way to start your day, by the way. You woke up. Great way to say thank God for the life that you've been given today. And then I pray those simple words. Lord, let me be who you want me to be. Let me do what you want me to do. Let me go where you want me to go. And why do I pray that prayer in the morning? I pray it because I believe that God hears me. And if I didn't believe that God hears me, I wouldn't roll out of bed and get on my knees and pray that prayer. I would just go on with my life. 
No, the psalmist is reminding us that the starting of this beautiful playlist that's ours is the starting of our day. It begins with prayer because he hears our prayer, which is evidenced in the words here that he actually answers our prayer. He hears our prayer, he answers our prayer, and what a gift that is for us. And right away, I know some of you have pushback. I prayed to God, he doesn't answer. Can I tell you, God does answer prayer. He always does. And he says, yes. He says, no. May not be what you wanted him to do, but he says, no. Or he says, later. He makes you wait. And we hate to wait, don't we? We want the answer right now. But he always answers prayer. And he always answers prayer with his presence. And that's the beginning of the yes or the no or the later. His presence is always with you. When my mom passed away last year, um, I had a friend who came and spent a little time with me. And it was very interesting because he said next to nothing. He's a very good friend of mine. He didn't need to. And it was so helpful just to have him present. It's called the ministry of presence. And God is saying in this psalm, I hear you, I'm present with you. So he will always answer your prayer and he will always be with you in it. And I want to emphasize this. Don't let impatience for an answer cause you to think that he does not hear you. Don't let your impatience for an answer cause you to think that he does not hear you. He hears you. What a gift this is. And so to get on that call on the Lord um, who hears you. But then the psalmist continues and he calls us to cry out for him to save you. He gets specific about it. Again, going back to Psalm 120, verse 2 now. Save me, Lord, from lying lips and from deceitful tongues. He gets specific in the prayer concerning the trouble that he's going through. So the, the psalm begins with the big picture, general kind of praying. Lord, call out to him because he, he hears you in your praying. And all of us, in a time of great need, have prayed that general seven-word prayer. Lord, help me, help me, help me, help me. That's the general prayer. But help me from what? Get specific. He gets specific. He names his trouble and his distress. I'm dealing with lying lips and deceitful tongues all around me. I've had enough of it. He brings it before the Lord. See, he's just sick with all the lies. He's crippled by the hate. He's doubled over in pain by what's happening in the world. Are you? I mean, these words so long ago are the very words for us today. We're reliving the very thing that the psalmist lived in even then. In fact, we find that the psalmist is flooding. And that word flooding is now a technical word that's been adopted in the world of psychotherapy. Flooding in the psychotherapy world refers to a person who is dealing so much distress and so much trouble. They're flooding. They can hardly keep their head above the water because they feel like they're sinking in despair and stress and anxiety. And you've heard me speak about anxiety as a heightened sense of concern and a diminished sense of control. And so the more concern and the less control, the greater the stress and the trouble. But what does the psalmist do? He says, save me. And the Hebrew word for save means rescue me, deliver me, vanquish the very pressure points that I have in my life so that I could have hope again. And so this is the picture that you have, somebody who's flooding the psalmist and is making his way to God. I mean, have you ever had anybody lie to you or have you ever been lied about? It is so hurtful. It is crushingly painful. And yet we find that this particular word here in the text 
that is um, translated as de deceitful is here um, the word that, that means to, um, to shoot an arrow. That's the, the grounding or the anchor of that Hebrew word, to shoot an arrow. And when it's delivered and it lands, that, that the, the, the wounds that you have from that arrow are just defeating. They, they make you feel like your reputation has been harmed forever or perhaps that your emotional well-being is just in turbulence or it just kills your joy when that arrow of lying lips and deceitful tongues is released. Deceitful lies are being painted here as a picture opposite of what happens in the presence of the Lord. In the world in which we live, this is happening all the time. And it creates a disequilibrium in our lives. But in the presence of the, of the Lord, we make our way up to the dwelling place of God. We find that there's a peace. We find that God is the God of truth. He is the truth. He is the way, the life. He knows the truth of your life. And so when you know that you have been speaking truth and others have taken you down, you come into the presence of the Lord who knows what is true. And he brings this calm in the midst of all of that anxiety. So to get unstuck, the reality is we come to the Lord. So if you're distressed on this day, if you're troubled, if you're flooding, can I just say the conversations, this is the third service now, and the conversations I've had after the services, I go, there's a lot of you in that place. Call on the Lord, he hears you and answers you. Get specific in how you call on him. So to get unstuck, we go to the second application of the psalm. As we continue to learn the lyrics of our playlist in this first song, they're so rich, they're so helpful. And the second simply tells us that we're to let God judge the wrongdoers, that our inclination when this unrest happens around us and people start saying things that are untrue, they have deceitful um, tongues and they're around us, is we want to reclaim or we want to enter into a place and, and take the vengeance and punishment upon ourselves and figure out how we can get back to people. But the psalmist gives us this reminder, what will he do to you and what more besides you, deceitful tongue? He will punish you with the warrior sharp arrows with burning coals of the broom bush. And I'll give some context to each of these, but God's punishments are never light, and God's punishments are never harsh. They're always appropriate for the offense, always, and they're always just. So according to Psalm 120, what is the punishment for lying lips and deceitful tongues? Arrows and fire. Pretty descript. Really significant. And so he will punish you with a warrior's sharp arrows, with burning coals of the broom bush. The tongue that is lying and deceitful hurts other people, but also it's going to hurt the one who's delivering it, the lips that it's coming from in even greater measure. That's what's being said here. So the call is for us to be wise, pay attention to how we're speaking, the words that are coming out of our mouth, what we say about people, and then repent and find a new way to speak. In fact, the way of God's judgment continues because we see that it's certain and that it is a serious expression of God's way of judgment. That is, taking these words, the warrior's sharp arrows, here is speaking to the skill and the accuracy of a warrior when he you know, bends that bow back. He expects a warrior, at least because they're practiced, they're seasoned, they're gonna hit the mark with accuracy, unlike us. When we take vengeance upon ourselves, we will miss the mark again and again because we assume certain things. We presume certain things. Sometimes we inflame the lying um, lips and the, 
the deceitful tongues because we assume things that are being said that aren't even being said. And assumption is the lowest form of knowledge. Did you know that? Assumption is the lowest form of knowledge. So we find ourselves in a place where we have an accuracy. Now, it's a picture of what God, how he punishes, that he's always accurate. We're not. He is. He is a skilled um, punisher. He knows exactly the offense and what is deserving of it, and he is accurate in its destination. And it says, the punishment with the burning coals of the broom bush. It's referring to a tree. It's about 12 foot high. It's a really hard wood tree. And when you take the coals from that tree and you, you burn them, and they just burn for a long time. It's talking about the duration of God's judgment. His timing is his timing, not ours. It happens when it happens. And when it happens, it can last a long time. So these are words of warning for those um, who express evil in the world, who are lying and deceiving all the time. But could you pause there for a moment? And look in the mirror yourself and ask yourself the question, am I contributing to the escalation of the hostility in the world that's around me? And what's my part? Read the psalm from a personal side, and it's a warning to me. Repent. Let my tongue represent the ways of God, not the ways of the flesh and the ways of the world that we might adopt to. You're doing it this way to me. I'm going to do it back to you and that kind of thinking. And put yourself in a place that you allow the presence of the Lord to be your guide and your journey with the tongue as you speak. It's also a word of reassurance to those who are righteous that God will never fail in bringing the judgment at the right time. So let him bring it when he wants to bring it. He never leaves the guilty unpunished. In fact, Romans gives us a, a good picture of this. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord, not you. Isn't that freeing in a way? You think about all the energy when somebody hurts you, you use thinking about how can I get back at you in all the subtle ways and you get consumed with it and all of a sudden you get to be free with it because God will take care of it in due time. So call on the Lord in times of trouble when you're unstuck, or when you're stuck and he will start to move you to get unstuck. Let the Lord bring punishment in his due time, in his way, because it's always the right, fair, accurate way. And there's a final and third expression that we have here concerning how to get unstuck, and that is to know that you do not belong to the world. You ever feel like you don't fit in this world in which we live? If you are a follower of God, you feel that way, and the psalmist feels that way, and this is how the psalmist addresses, woe to me that I dwell in Meshech, that I live among the tents of Kedar. Woe is me that I have to live in this given place. And so we find that Meshech is the place that is just in southern Russia. Today is where it would be located. A distant place from Jerusalem. And it's communicating this picture of people who are far away from God. The way of God, the values of God. We live in a world where people don't know God or love God or live in God's way. It's this distant kind of feeling. And then Kadar, we find, is the picture of a Bedouin group who would be hostile. They'd come into villages and they threaten and they would disrupt lives because of what they would do. And so you find this picture of distance and hostility as the world in which we live and a reminder that we don't feel comfortable in the world in which we live. And so we're called to be conformed to the ways of God, not to ways of this world. Step into his path. Second thing that comes out of the latter part of this song is to expect to grow tired of living in the world. You ever just get exhausted with the news cycles that we have and the troubles and the distress that are in the world? Well, the psalmist is living the very same thing. He says, too long have I lived among those who hate in peace, um, who hate peace. So there's too, many, too much 
Too much hatred and not enough peace, and I just, I'm living too long in this place. I just got a question for you. How many of you have ever had a day in your life where you felt like, Jesus, this is the day you should come and take me right now? Because it's just so hard to be here, and you think, I can't even get through this day. This was the day you were appointed to come. Relieve me from living in this place too long. And that's what the psalmist is feeling here. And such a good reminder to us. And I was this week listening to some news related to all these shootings happening. And we're just broken by what's happening in our country right now. There's been over 215 mass shootings, which means more than four people have been killed since January in our country. And I heard a leader in the Capitol Hill this week, and I'm not going to say who it is, but he just said something that really stood out to me. It was odd in light of what he was saying, but he kind of pounded his fist and he said, for the love of God, do something. And I thought, wow, how many people, believers or non-believers, have used that phrase? I've heard that so much. For the love of God, do something. And I thought, better said, the love of God always does something. I'm all for changing laws, but I also know laws ain't going to get it done. We need the love of God. The love of God will cure the distance that people have from God and the hostility that we see all around us. Amen. I think that, that is the call of the psalmist in this given point and such a good reminder for us to live in this place because God, I mean... The truth of God just explains our lives. We just, we just need to understand who we are and why we're here. The grace of God fulfills our life. The forgiveness of God renews our life. But the love of God transforms our life. And it transforms our communities and our nations and our world. And that process of transformation is underway through those whom he's called by faith in Christ, his son, to bring that peace into the world and a day will come where he will make it full. But we have the love to give. We have what the world is needing and offering. This is why I'm inviting you to reclaim the reading, the praying, the singing of the Psalms because it's life-giving and life-transforming. And we see that in the last line of our song where we're reminded to keep praying for peace. And that peace is so important. In Psalm 120, it says, I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. It just seems like sometimes no matter what I say, there's just an escalation of trouble and challenge everywhere that I turn. But I am for peace. He's making a declarative statement about who he is and why he's here. He has clarity around his identity. He says, I am for peace. And you know what? As people of God, we have that same identity and we ought to declare it the same way. I am for peace. Say those words with me. I am for peace. Let's anchor that in. We are to be the peacemakers in this troubled world in which we live. And what a gift it is to be able to do that. This word peace is the word shalom. It speaks to hopefulness. It speaks to wholesomeness. It speaks to the goodness of what it is to have relationship with the living God and with each other, and it's the longing of our heart, let's continue to pray for peace of Jerusalem, peace of, peace of the world. And in fact, that's in Jesus' greatest sermon, he called us to this in Matthew's gospel. He, he told us to be peacemakers. And that's not it. He gave, Paul takes the words of Jesus and puts it in a personal application for us in Romans 12. If it is possible, okay, it's not always possible, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. It's a call for us to look in the mirror and say, okay, what have I done to contribute to the lack of peace 
that's taking place. See, the war here, don't think it's about nations warring against each other. It's about the personal offenses we create in our own spheres of influence. And what is it that I've contributed to? It's rarely a hundred zero proposition. I have a role in it. And I got this call. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone in your family. And if you have disruption, do what you can to bring peace into your family, with your spouse, with a friend, with your kids, with a colleague. Sometimes we let the escalation just keep rising. We don't do anything about it, but we are peacemakers as Jesus called us to be. Be peacemakers and you will be the children of God, Jesus said. What a beautiful picture. Well, we're the children of God. We're going to be peacemakers and we're going to step into hard places as much as we possibly can. We won't always be received by everybody, but where we are received, we will see God make a dent into that given journey. So... The first psalm, quite a song, isn't it? The first song that takes us into the, there are a lot more that are more uplifting, like you'd expect them to be the first one. This is the first one because I think God knows that we need to know this. That in your times of distress, when you're stuck, get unstuck. Call unto the Lord because he hears you and he'll answer your prayer. Cry out to him specifically. Tell him the exact reason for the trouble that you're in. Get really clear. And then find yourself in a place where you use your energy in wise ways to be like Jesus. Rather than taking avenge yourself, let him be the one who punishes in due time according to his will and way. And understand you're never going to feel like you fit in this world. But in the meantime, we get to be in the world. Let's be in the world with the presence of Jesus who is the peace giver. I give you peace, he says. So if you have faith in Jesus Christ, all the peace you need, you already have. It's learning to appropriate it and live in it. That's our first song in the playlist. And there are great songs ahead. But let me invite you to stand. And I'm going to give you a couple invitations as you do. And to those that are online as well, a couple challenges this summer before I pray. First of all, we have this incredible prayer guide that's been put together, simple, clear, that takes each psalm of the week and each day unpacks it a little further with an interactive prayer focus for each day to help guide you to reclaim the reading, the praying, and the singing of each of these psalms. You'll really get to know the psalms well. You can pick this up as you leave today. If you're online, you can just simply fill out the engagement card that you see there and um, indicate your desire to get a copy. We will send a hard copy to you. If you want a hard copy, it's also available online. So pick that up. It'll guide your steps through the summer. Secondly, can I encourage you to memorize a psalm, one of these psalms this summer? Dedicate yourself to that and you will see God work in you. I'm going to do Psalm 121. You could read through them all. They're all short. Pick one of them and celebrate that reality. But now, Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Join me. Father God, thank you for the gift of your word given to the people of God who turned them into poems and songs that would be sung to remind us that we are redeemed people. What a gift that you are saving us all the time from ourselves and from the world in which we live. That we are covenant people. You have promised to be with us today and always. And Father, we renew that covenant, that promise to be with you, that we are blessed to be a blessing. And we are thankful people. So we make our way up this summer to Jerusalem. And with each step, we ask that you guide it. Renew our faith. Make it deeper than it's ever been in our spiritual walk to this given day. Because we've entered into the songs, the beautiful playlist that you gave to us so long ago. And Lord, a word for those that are troubled today. In great distress. Some who are even flooding. Do what only you can do lift them up by the presence of your spirit 
in the person of Jesus, your Son and our Savior, encourage them with hope this day, I ask. In Jesus' name.